power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. And the reason we're, we, we are where we are is because the people have just neglected. They don't ask the hard questions. I want to tell you, I very much appreciate you, you coming on today, having the hard questions, having the, the, the tough questions asked of you, putting your neck on the line a little bit because some of the answers you give are not popular and it takes courage to do that. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again, welcome back, my lovely co-host, Alexia Preston. How are we doing today? Did you miss me? Yes, we missed you. It's never the same without you. There was a little bit of hesitation there. Most of the time, we missed you. <laughs> even, more, even more hesitation on that one. <laughs> you, you bring the show. You, make, you give us status. You make us, you make us look official. Mm. Without you, we just kind of look like ragtag. We look like just a bunch of crazy. So you make us look legit. No, I you, you legitimize the show. Oh, well, that's thank you. That's what everybody you. says. Everybody says, man, it's good to get your wife. She makes you look good. And we're like, that's why I bring her. <laughs> <laughs> no, if we're being honest, it really is our incredible, incredible studio team. So yeah, shout, shout we, we do people. have, we have rock stars. I mean, obviously they do a great job and uh, you know, as long as you look good, it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's basically why we're here. <laughs> well, we have a good show, though, don't we? We sure do. So this one is uh, was an, a high demand because we have Utah is got. We always talk about the problems in Utah, corruption, and and when we talk about corruption in Utah, there's always one name. Several, but one. There's one. <laughs> no, there is one name at the very top. Right. The very top. Everybody, everybody. You don't even have to be awake. Yeah. You can have your head in the sand. And you know this guy's corrupt. On a national level, especially. And on a national level. Yes. Mitt Romney. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, so, today we're, we're pumped because uh, 2024 is coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is our chance to get rid of that guy. And uh, there's obviously a, a few people that are uh, talking about it, but uh, there's one name in particular that I think people are excited about that uh, has a serious shot at taking him out and that can really do it. And, and from everything we've been hearing, this guy sounds like he is right on, on, uh, on par. I actually had to have lunch with him a little while ago, and it was pretty impressive everything he had to say. So we thought, you know what, let's get him on this show. Uh, we've talked to a lot of our listeners we, who, who knew he was coming on. They said, all right, here, we're going to send some hard questions and uh, so we're going to have some tough questions for him. Uh, but um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good show. Yeah. No so, softball questions. No here. softball questions. So before we get started, uh, make sure you're following us. The best place, just go to our website because uh, YouTube is, you've already seen they're taking our stuff down. So go to our website, wearethepeople.org. Um, also, Rumble, We Are The People UT. Uh, Rumble's great because they don't take our stuff down. Our China show was taken down from YouTube. Uh, but Rumble keeps everything up. So please get on Rumble. We are the people UT. Um, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, po- all the podcasts, it's the same thing. We are the people UT. That is, and that is also our Instagram handle, so you can follow us there. And the last one is Twitter. Make sure you're on there. Twitter, it's we are the, we are the UT. So without be- that being said, this episode all came about by, uh, by our sponsor who kind of made all this happen. Sure did. 
And that, and I'll, why don't you go ahead and introduce Tom from uh, Silverhawk Enterprises? That'll be my pleasure. Well, we have in studio with today the honor returning, returning. He's been here before. Yes, actually, you were on for our flagship show for American Masculinity with uh, Lines Not Cheap, Sean Whalen. So that was a great show. We still have that up on our YouTube. So go back and watch that. That was that was a that great was a good show. show. That was a great show. And we are actually going to be bringing back American Masculinity. Are we? There's threats. There's threats. I think we're going to. Yeah, I, I honestly, think we're going to. I think we need to. That's what we need. And, you know, this this show today, if nothing else, shows we have some men standing up. You know, obviously, this is this is what the state needs. The state needs leadership. It needs people standing up. Uh, and we have that with, with people running against Romney. So it's great to see real men standing up and our sponsors and political candidates are, are fortunately some of the people that are doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you uh, welcome... Mr. Tom. Mr. Tom Does he get a bio? Of course. He is the owner and president of Silverhawk Enterprises. He's the boss. Is the boss who has been in the luxury home building industry for 24 years and has been married to his beautiful wife, Heidi, for 22 years. uh, Has four children uh, from ages 13 to 21. You definitely don't look old enough to have a 21-year-old. That's for sure. And resides right here in Draper, Utah. So welcome back, Tom. Thanks, Alexia. Glad to be back. You know, one of the things I like about Tom, Tom is self-made. Mm. That's the thing I like about Tom. Tom's, you know, he is, he's, he's a fighter. He's awake. He cares about freedom. And uh, he is not afraid to tell you what he thinks. We, we, we need more men like that. Welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So I want to ask you this. Tell, first off, tell us a little about Silver Silverhawk Enterprises. Then I want to hear... Uh, because you got pretty pretty behind Trent, so I want to hear uh, what what's uh, why you got behind Trent, why why that's important to you. Well, I think that a uh, <clears throat> little little behind Silverhawk, we're uh, we're a home builder in Utah. And it's not just homes; we build luxury homes. So when you've made it, you come find us. Yeah, they're, they homes. are epic. Yeah. They're epic. Are, were you in Prey to Homes at all? I mean, they were. We've done. I mean, not this year. We had a we had a virtual one last year, but we've had ten prior. Where uh, typically we win. Uh, you know, best of show or, or judges awards, things like that. Uh, when we bring it, we usually uh, don't waste anything and, and make sure we bring the heat. Yeah. yeah. Now they're showstopper homes. Beautiful. So, so that said, it's uh you know, it's a, it's an avenue for us to uh, make some money, do what we enjoy, employ some people. And, you know, each home that we build, there's uh, thousands of jobs that are created, um, you know, from, from the logging and timber all the way down to the delivery trucks and, and, you know, barges that are shipping things all across the world. And so it's a, it's a business that is very, um, economically driven and uh, which for us is you know we rely on a lot of different sources from politicians all the way down to the people that are you know typing in the numbers at the cash register so there, there's a it's a big big business to make sure that uh, things are rolling forward and and with that we uh, you know it's it, for us it's a means to um, enjoy life and uh, have the freedoms that we enjoy and, and provide others with those same freedoms through the ability to work hard have money and uh, really you know encompass the American dream and, and that is um, you know, to have uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of property or happiness. Yeah, no, so, that's, that's pro- Property was one of the words they almost put in there. That's right. And I understand that very well, which is what we do. And we provide people with a, with the means or a, or a vehicle to be able to do those things and, and have their dream become a reality. And so for us, it's, uh, it's very um, enlightening. And uh, it, it's, it's great because we can see our product come to life. Yeah, well, Tom's a beast. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a personal friend as well. I, yeah, I love people who stand up and, and uh, love this country and willing to put uh, the country ahead of everything else. So tell us, tell us, you know, you were obviously, you know, stand behind Trent. Tell us, tell us why. 
Well, uh, Trent, Trent is a, uh, a fellow miner at Bingham, number one. He's a little bit older than me, not much, but uh, we, I've known of Trent for a long time, but I didn't know much about his policies, his politics, or the way that he really governed. And, and just kind of following him through the, uh, the pandemic era was really enlightening because there weren't a lot of people standing up. And I was calling out mayors, uh, school board and, uh, superintendents. Um, you know, we're in the Canyon School District. And, uh, and we did all kinds of things to talk and get behind certain politicians that we felt were, were the right ones and had the right cause to, to carry the people forward. And seeing what Trent had done, you know, on those things, those issues alone, and then he ran for uh, Salt Lake County mayor um, and uh, obviously did not win, which we're grateful for because he's in this position now to do what he's doing now. You know, I think things are meant to be. But seeing what he had done and the track record that he had for us, um, I don't like getting behind people that aren't real. And uh, and so I knew I, like I don't mind you. I don't mind speaking my mind and speaking the truth and being I didn't know that about you confident. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, look, it, it always bodes well for you to tell the truth in life and, and to be real and be who you are. Don't don't fake it. That's so that, you know, that's it. There's there's a lot of things we love about Trent. A lot of them were policy driven. A lot of them were business driven. And uh, I think just being around him, I can I can sense that he has a good heart and a good soul. And that that for me, and I, I have a, a pretty good compass on people that way. Uh, bottom line is I wouldn't hang out with you if I didn't feel that about you either. Is that why you stopped hanging out with me? I did for a while. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Alexia right. is the real reason. She's much better than you. That's All my friends are my friends because of Alexia. That's right. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Tom, we're glad to have you. And again, and it's been, you know, love, again, I, again, I, I talk to Tom all the time, and, and he will call people out. His, his reps know him. Either they love him or they hate him. And that's what we need our viewers to do. <clears throat> to do as well because you know it's one thing to see a problem it's another thing to speak out about a problem so you guys are a great example of seeing something and holding people accountable to it so tell us your website and then let's uh, jump then let's let's get into the meat of it website is utahsbuilder.com again because we are utah's, you are utah's only one so right. i like it yeah all and, right and if you want to see some of his products you have some great instagram videos up on uh same thing instagram uh utah's builder or Facebook, just Silverhawk Enterprises, but Instagram's got the best uh, content for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's move on to Trent, another classic Utah success story. The man, story. the myth, the legend, the reason we're all here today. We're hoping. We're hoping. We're, <laughs> and, and, we're, and, and, and everyone knows, no softball questions, so, but, he's, but he's, he's, uh, he's locked and loaded, so let's go. Yeah, let's absolutely. Get, tell us about, uh, wel welcome Trent for us. Well, welcome Trent. Uh, Trent Staggs uh, is currently uh, the mayor of, at Riverton. He was raised in a family with nine siblings, so big family, uh, something you see here a lot in Utah. But I think what's interesting about big families in Utah is it really builds character. You know, from the East Coast, we usually live in small families. And I don't know, we don't share as well. No, you don't. <laughs> That's for sure. We definitely don't share as well. But his, his parents definitely taught him the, the value of hard work, community involvement, continuous improvement, and personal responsibility early, early in life. So hoping you carry that into office when, when and if you get elected. I spent elementary school years in Orem, graduated from uh, Bingham High School in South Jordan, and served a mission in Tahiti, as we were talking about before the show started, learning to speak French and Tahitian. I didn't even know they had their own language. They do. Yeah, Polynesian language. Wow. So working, in, uh, working his way through college, he graduated from the University of Utah in political science and economics. Won't hold any of that against you. He went on to earn his MBA from Marriott School of Management at Brigham Young University. That's more like it. 
And Trent understands that our way of life here is unique, effective, and under his leadership in Riverton has become the best-run city in Utah. Trent was raised here, lived almost his entire life here, and understands that Washington needs more of Utah, not the other way around. So welcome to the show, Trent. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks so much. Thank yeah, no, we're, we're glad to have you. And, uh, you know, you've, you built a good reputation in Riverton. That's for and, sure. And especially the way you handled COVID. You know, I, th- I think especially now that it's in, uh, you know, in our rears enough, I think most people are starting to see that, you know what, that probably was not handled correctly. Uh, we overreacted. I think people on both sides of the aisle see that we overreacted and we didn't need to do what we did. And it took true leadership to be able to, in the moment, not get caught up in the hysteria and to stand up and, and put principle above above fear and, and, and uh, yeah, principle of fear. So tell Wait, us. Wait, I have a question about that because I think yeah. COVID was the uh, crucible to, to change for a lot of people. I think, you know, there was a wake up call for a lot of people. And from what I'm, un- what I'm understanding is there was a shift in your perspective from pre-COVID to COVID times. So was COVID a wake up call for you? Yeah, I think it was for many of us. But um, I, first, I got to say, I really appreciate Tom and the kind words that he just said. Um, you, you set it up correctly. I mean, Tom is somebody who is awake. He's self-made, just uh, very much a strong, strong person. And uh, I'm honored to have his support. Uh, and we can't do it without that type of support. You know, as elected officials, you step in, you put your neck on the line, and you need people that will stand up and actually support you. And that's exactly what Tom has done and others have done uh, for us. And, and I took a lot of heat getting back to COVID, right? Uh, you, you think back then and just the, the mindset of people and, uh, oh, my gosh, this is an emergency and we need this. Hey, you know, there's no I – don't, I don't remember seeing that in the Constitution, right? There's nothing here that um, would grant – a, a pandemic and one of fear, I, I would argue more so than anything, that's going to usurp our, our God-given rights. And so we stepped up. I was one of the few mayors, as you've indicated, that just said, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to, I'm not going to use my police force to enforce all of these mask mandates. I went out uh, pretty heavy and put out statements with respect to that and also with the, uh, the OSHA uh, mandates for vaccines. You recall, I mean, we're a city of about 50,000 people, and I've got 170 full-time equivalent you know, employees, so we, we crossed that 100-employee threshold, and it was really threatening, the federal government was, saying you need to ensure that all of your employees uh, have, this, have this vaccine. I said, no, we're not doing it. So that, that's what we Good need more than anything. Right now, we need a fighter. We need somebody that's exhibited backbone, not just said things in the past, but has actually done it. And so you know that if you're going to send that person onto another office, um, you can count on them. And I think that's what we've got. We've got that record, as you indicated, that we've built that reputation in Riverton, 10 years in elected office now. Um, we've done it, not just there, but I've actually cut taxes as a mayor. We've cut back on spending, uh, pushed back on, on big government. Uh, and we've tried to take a business person's or entrepreneurial approach, if you will, to government. So um, why are you running against Mitt Romney? That's, that's, that's a big race to take on it is it is um in a word because he is not representing utahns not at all um you know i i said this in my launch video we had a million plus views already on it but we just took a commercial that that mitt put out one of the few that he did a 30 second spot um 
five years ago, and he said, I will fight for you. You elect me as your senator, and I will fight every day to put us on a pathway to a balanced budget. I'll end illegal immigration, and I will, I will stop federal overreach and spending, and I'm going to appoint conservative justices to the court. Not only has he not done those things, he has fought against the implementation of those things. So with respect to spending, he's voted for trillions more in spending. I mean, he's the reason we've got the inflation we're dealing with here today. He hasn't cared at all about putting us on a pathway to a balanced budget. Give me a break. I mean, Senator Mike Lee just put out a letter in early May saying, um, President Biden, no, we're not going to play ball unless we're not going to raise the debt ceiling unless you have substantial spending cuts and budgetary reform. Mitt Romney wouldn't even put his name on that. I mean, Mitch McConnell put it on there for crying out loud. We had 42 other Republicans that did it. He wouldn't do it. Um, doesn't it all strike me as somebody who is uh, then really interested in balancing the budget? He does done nothing for illegal immigration. He worked against President Trump on the border wall. He, uh, he voted for Homeland Secretary Mayorkas. He's one of the, I think, five or six Republicans that did that. Most people aren't remembering of that. And with respect to justices... You know, one of the three Republicans that voted for Ketanji Brown Jackson, who is a very radical uh, Supreme Court judge. And um, that's can't not... can't define what a woman is. Can't define what a woman is, <laughs> right? One of the, I think the only Supreme Court justice in history that, that can't, um, you know, I'm not a biologist either, but I think I can define that. <laughs> I'll define it in a few words if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but people also forget that, um, that Mitt Romney encouraged Joe Biden to run for office, right? Yeah. We've yeah. got articles in 2018, 2019, really pushing that because of his petty beef with Trump. Um, that's all I've seen him fight for. I say in my commercial, I mean, anything that, that, um, that, he can fight against with Donald Trump um, to increase spending or any of those things. That's what he's been fighting for. And my gosh, I wish we would have seen that type of excitement and, uh, you know, fight in 2012. We it would have been different in his outcome. So Brad Wilson's also appears to be uh, running this race. What makes you different? How would you define yourself as different from the two of them? I'm not, an, esta- I'm not an establishment player. <clears throat> I'm not. Well played. Um, you know, Brad is somebody who is uh, in the Speaker of the House uh, he's, he's served in politics quite a long time. Uh, he's very well connected with the establishment base. And um, I'm actually... What does that mean to you, establishment? Now, it means you've got, you've got a, a guard, if you will, an old guard that's uh, tried and true. And it's where I think most of the money comes from in Utah politics and um, really a push uh, to advance a certain agenda. That's, that's really what the, uh, the establishment is all about. Uh, I'm not part of that crowd. Um, you, you read my background. I think it's important. I'm one of 10 kids. I fought for everything in my life. You know, I, I say that I jokingly, I, I had to fight for food at the dinner table with that many kids. I had to fight to get into the restroom with seven sisters uh, for crying out loud. You know, so everything I've done, I've demonstrated, I've actually uh, fought back on government overreach, big taxes, everything else. I don't see that in uh, even even Brad Brad Wilson, he announced that exploratory back in April, and um, that weighed into my decisioning too to run because I didn't see a true conservative in the race, and that's what we need more than anything right now. We need a bold conservative leader that's going to take on the establishment. And, and I don't think he has formally run. I think he's only announced that exploratory committee, but I do want to address another rumor that's been floating around, and that is the potential is uh, there is discussion around if Romney were to resign early, then Cox would have to step in and appoint someone in his place. 
Do you see that being a potential scenario that could go down in a risk to your campaign? Boy, I'm not going to rule anything out. Um, that, that could, that could potentially happen. I've heard of that rumor too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that I, I think you would end up having the election though next year, there might be that temporary appointment, but, um, I think the voters of Utah are going to see through that, right? If, if, um, the governor were to appoint uh, somebody that is in that establishment lane, they're going to see that. And we're going to, we're going to take it to them. We're going to keep, we're going to keep running regardless. Yeah. You bring up, you know, Utah is an interesting state <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the, uh, reputation it's been getting is it's kind of, kind of a rhino state. Um, you know, obviously our governor is, is very much that way and, and met and we could go down the list. Um, it doesn't, the, the media seems to really play, it, it seems to prop these guys up, uh, whether it's Mitt, whether it's, you know, Curtis. I mean, these, these, these Republicans that have either been Democrats or, or lean heavy towards pushing, you know, Democratic values in Utah. <clears throat> Do you see, the, how has the media treated you? And, and, and let's start first with the trib, which I would expect would either, it would be, you know, Harsh, but then on the other hand, what about Deseret News and then the so-called conservative media? How's the media treated you? It's been interesting because they've um, they've been rather silent. I'm I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that Brian Schott hasn't you know put a hit piece out on me yet. So um, you don't have that badge of honor. Yeah, yet. no, no, it'll come. Yet. It'll come. I, I've been warned of that. Um, <laughs> At least if you're on the right side of issues. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've had some we've had some media you know locally, uh, but not a lot, not a lot of attention. I think you're right that there's to a large extent, the media here is very deferential to um, to an incumbent like Mitt Romney, and uh, we've we've tried to connect with them on many pieces. Um, most recently, I, I I put together an opinion piece, an op-ed that said "enough is enough." That was my big line in my launch video as well, saying "enough is enough." We've got to put a conservative in office. This is why I'm going to replace Mitt Romney, and the Deseret News wouldn't print it. They indicated. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, they, they said this, it violated their civility policy. It, it I, seems I, to me, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you've got more attention from national media than in our own backyard. Is that right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And um, we've got a great team. Um, you know, you mentioned the studio team here. Uh, my, my team at uh, the Trent Stags for Utah campaign is, is phenomenal. And uh, we've gotten in front of national media. I mean, uh, many, many outlets. And, and that's what... I think we've we've had to do we've had to nationalize the race, uh, knowing that uh, local media isn't paying a whole lot of attention, and um, we've got to we've got to nationalize this so that everybody can learn about us. It's one of the reasons we really decided to do this show is is we have a problem here in Utah with people who are just very just very much believing whatever they see on the Desert News and the Trib and and see that as a true conservative paper and and or or news outlet, and so that's why it's it's for us become important to try to get a voice out there that, that they're not, that they're clearly leaving uh, high and dry. Yeah. The only honest piece that we've seen recently is the one that came from the Associated Press. And we did a whole show on this and it was about the, the ties to our legislature uh, to China. China. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Utah's so Utah needs, <clears throat> Utah needs strong reps. Utah needs a needs conservative representation. So I've got some, some questions for you. So what do you see, you know, 
the, the world is clearly spinning out of control right now. And I would say America and Utah, it is spinning out of control. Uh, what do you see as the greatest threat right now to our country? Yeah, I think the greatest threat to our country right now is just uh, government overreach. Um, government that we have to reduce the size, scope, burden of government in the lives of the average everyday American. And, you know, whether you call that taxation or the regulatory state, you know, this almost fourth branch of government or the weaponization of agencies that are cracking down on people whose ideology they don't agree with. I mean, that, I just use that as a kind of a catch-all uh, the government government overreach is, I think, the biggest issue. It's one of the main reasons why I am running, because I see that. It's, that is really creating an America that I didn't grow up with. I didn't at all. And I want, I've got a 13-year-old son and 11-year-old daughter. They're the, my, my main motivation for running. They really are. Um, I want them to have all the opportunities that I had. You know, I didn't have much. I didn't growing up. Yet, I was able to succeed, right, through this meritocracy, this great country that is America. Shouldn't matter at all. It doesn't matter um, your, your age, your race, your color. I mean, nothing, none of that. It's what have you done, right? This is, this is the idea that is America, and um, it's, it's just spinning out of control with the division that we see today. They want to divide people so that they can they can control them. Tell, tell us your thoughts on, uh, <clears throat> speaking of the division, on the LGBT movement. Yeah, that's... You see the president, it's got it up on the White House, right in yeah. the middle where they, it's actually illegal for the American flag not to be front and center, and they got the LGBT, LGBT flag there. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that movement? Yeah, that's... And, and I, my understanding is that's a violation of uh, federal law. It is. Yeah. Right? To have that um, displayed that way. So, look, I, I want... We should have one culture in this country, right? There are many ethnicities, there are different groups, ideologies, but at the end of the day, we should be an American people and we should rally around one flag. That should represent everybody, you know? The ultimate it, pride flag. It, it does. In my mind, that's what it does. And, and that's where our focus needs to be is that this is our country and this there's never been a better country on the, on the history of the planet, you know, and, and uh, uh, for, for certain groups to, um, to claim that they are being attacked. I mean, there's, there's no other, name me one other country on the planet that is uh, more supportive uh, of in, in ensuring rights of individuals, no matter, you know, what, what your sexual orientation is or your, your, and your race, your background, anything, uh, than, than America that we should be all unified around that. And this is, I think it's just another means of dividing people and trying to put us into these categories and say, that's your, that's your primary uh, association. You're with this group. You're not an American. You're just with this group. I think it's, it's deadly. It's a, that's an insidious, ideology it's it's one that's here to uh to really cause dissension and keep people keep people controlled yeah, in contrast I mean, you had a great interview with benny johnson and we can play that clip uh where you were showing you know romney's meanwhile marching with blm mm -hmm. and uh you had a great quote there i, I think with his with his mask on with his mask on <laughs> you know you never said, forget that image i know i love what you said i think that they should be categorized as a domestic terror organization 
and law enforcement deserves a senator that's going to stand with them and not march against them. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's, uh, thank you. That's exactly why I think the Fraternal Order Police has come out so early and a uh, big reason why. You know, I got their endorsement. I love the law enforcement community. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big ways in which I innovated in Riverton was to create our own police department. And we did that. We've saved millions of dollars in the process, right? I was on the board of the Unified Police Department, and we ended up self-providing about four, a little over four years ago, our own police department. Um, always, always had um, law enforcement at the highest respect. And so that's the first endorsement I've ever sought in any race. Uh, when they found out I was running for U.S. Senate, they said, hey, come talk to our board. I did. We got the endorsement right away. And uh, that's exactly what I want to do is I want to be able to stand with law enforcement at any time. Uh, I think there's many things that at the federal level we can do uh, to make things a lot easier for law enforcement, uh, not the least of which is, you know, all these federal programs that are just have so much uh, onerous uh, paperwork and uh, hoops you've got to jump through and smaller agencies never avail themselves of, of all the additional help, whether it be for, um, for vests, uh, for uh, programs that, that accelerate the ability to hire new police officers for communities. Um, many don't take advantage of that because the federal government is just way too burdensome to deal with. So, Tom, <clears throat> how many kids do you have? Four. Four kids. What, what keeps you up at night? What's your biggest concern right now in this country? Future. Future for them and many things to have. Specifically. I would say to have the same prosperity that I've had. That's it right there. And, and well, really what do you see as the biggest threat to that? Morality. 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 It's the family. It's the degradation of the family. And, and to me, that's the biggest threat in this, in this country um, because the government, as they displayed so boldly and so proudly in front of the White House, is to take down that flag that holds everybody in the same context as the same. Uh, it doesn't matter what race, religion, creed, sexual orientation you are. You're all, you all bleed the same under the same flag. And so the morality in this country is fading. And if you remember doesn't matter, again, what religion you are. Pride comes before the fall. Yeah, mm. well And said. that right there, they put it right out in front of everybody's <clears throat> faces. So morality well for me is, is the <clears throat> biggest ticket for this country right now in uh, heading downhill, and, that's, and it starts in the family. Well said. Um, we had the privilege to spend uh, the weekend with James Lindsay down in, in oh St. Yeah, George. That was awesome. Um, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with James Lindsay, but he's an incredible intellectual, and he speaks up for uh, the children uh, and also for our churches right now yeah. and talks a lot about it, the Marxist takeover. I actually worked very closely with Julie Belling, who's uh, working on a documentary for Beneath Sheep's Clothing. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, and it's going to be a great documentary. Do you see how that Marxist takeover yeah. is happening now and with our children right now in uh, that schools? Absolutely. And, and what and can we do to, to safeguard that? Well, and this is something, if you go to trentstags.com, my three main themes as Senator, what I will champion and truly fight for every day is smaller government, safer families, and a stronger economy. And so with respect to safer families, you know, much like I stood up to the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates, I have stood up to the inappropriate materials that are in schools. And I had a video that I ended up, ended up going viral um, on Twitter about this, where in April, I sat, I attended the Jordan School District board meeting, right? So that's the school district in in Riverton um, that encompasses Riverton City's boundary and their uh, their board meetings are held in Riverton. Mm. So every year before school start, I say, hey, look, we're going to have a school safety roundtable. I, um, 
I, I, I know that the city doesn't fund schools or set the curriculum, but these are our kids. We do furnish, we provide the school resource officers and the crossing guards. So we've had an open dialogue since I've been mayor in 2018. We had that meeting at the outset of every school year. And this past school year, I said, this is a problem. We have several inappropriate materials that are in schools. What are you doing about it? Well, you know, it was a recent law. It was just passed by Representative Ivory. Um, we're, we're getting our arms around it, et cetera, et cetera. I've tried to follow up. And I got zero response. And so finally, by January, February, March, no action. I attended the school board meeting. And I ended up saying, I've been working with parent organizations, right, that have made me aware of these. I've had Riverton residents that have screenshot the material portions of books that their kids are forced to read that are highly inappropriate. This law is very, very clear. If there's illustrations or depictions of these things, it's, it's deemed pornographic. It is not suitable for kids. I don't want it in there. It makes it even more personal that I've got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old in the school district. So this needs to be removed immediately. It cannot wait another school year. And we got a lot of attention there. And to their credit, the school district has come back. And they are working at revising their policy. They made it way too onerous for parents to remove inappropriate materials. You had to go before a seven-person committee at each school. You wouldn't just, can't just get it removed universally. Um, and I, I use the, the example, hey, look, if we had a drug dealer, right, going around the school district, we wouldn't just say, all right, you're caught, you're caught here, you, you just can't come to this school. No, we would get it out of the di district-wide, statewide, for that matter. And so um, that's a huge, huge deal. A parental control of their own kids' education is not just priority A. I say it's priority A through Z on my website. We absolutely have to put parents in control of their education. And um, this, this wokeism, that's another thing on my website. That's one of my nine policy issues that we highlight. I say, as senator, I will be woke's worst nightmare. We need to build a wall of separation between woke and state. I say, we've got to get that out <clears throat> of there. Because it is a religion. And meanwhile, you have up in Davis County, I, I'm sure you've been banning following. The Bible, yeah. Banning the Bible. Ridiculous. And that's, and that's making national news. So it's... Yeah. it's, it's yeah, Utah is It's mind-boggling. <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're in Florida, and we're on a street corner, and we're hearing people talk, well, Utah is a conservative state. Why are they having issues like this? And uh, if I wasn't in a better head, I would have just said, well, wake up call. Utah isn't as red as you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some questions uh, that I want to get into with you while we before we make sure I just want to get, make sure we have time to get these because we have a lot of uh, people who have sent in some questions to us. Um, these are not the softball questions, right? <laughs> well, there's some softball, but we're we definitely have some some uh, some tough ones. Okay, we're ready. All right, well, let's see. So the first one, um, there's there's rumors been going around that you are a never Trumper. Yeah. Tell, not, tell us tell us your thoughts on President Trump. I don't know where that's coming from, but, um, I mean, I've supported President Trump. I voted for him twice. Uh, I've never come out and said uh, anything uh, disparagingly or, or told people you know, not, not to vote for, for President Trump. I think uh, he's got some great policies. Um, you know, we can all agree that if Trump were president today, <laughs> we'd be much better off as a country. And so um, I'm... I, I'm real supportive of a lot of the policies that uh, that Trump has, has enacted. And um, I have been on the record being supportive of uh, Ron DeSantis as well. I think as governor, he's, he's instituted a lot of great policies down there. He's pushed back on wokeism. I just, I love his leadership there. Uh, I also really like Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, there's a lot of great things great. that he's been saying. At the end of the day, any of these folks are going to be infinitely better than Biden. Um, 
And I love to see that debate play out. We're, you know, the Republican Party is a party of ideas. We're not afraid to have that discussion. And, uh, you know, and I'm not in favor of stifling the debate per se. It just, uh, you know, would love looking forward to that that playing out here, but um, have been have been supportive of Trump over the years for sure. Any policies of Trump's that you uh, did not support, or that you had a problem no, I, with? I, I loved I loved America First. Um, I love that he's finally pushed back on China. I love that he's pushed back on NATO and got them to pay their you know their share. I mean, look at Ukraine right now for crying out loud. I mean, we spent 170 billion dollars or more in, in in Europe, which is its neighbor right next door, has maybe been at 20 billion. You know what's what's going on there, and uh, uh, just being tough on tough on China. Um, the the 2017 um, tax cuts have been fantastic. Uh, we want to be able to keep that. So with respect to his fiscal policy, you know, tax policy, foreign policy, uh, I think he's uh, he's largely been dead on. I'm trying to think if there's a policy. You know, with with the border, um, I wish that we would. It's just crazy to me, and this is on my website too, that we have been a nation that's so kind-hearted, right, that even enforcing our own immigration laws has become controversial. How is that the case? I mean, every country enforces immigration and travel of non-citizens, yet we attempt to do it, and somehow we're all racist. It just, no, that's not it at all. I mean, my my ancestors came from Italy, right, and Western Europe, um, I think many of us are immigrants, right, in that respect. And so uh, we're fine. There's a process, though. We have to have defined borders or we don't have a country uh, instituting a wall along the southern border with, as he said, a nice door that uh, allows people to come in through a process I think is important. And to see what's going on down there today, it's a disaster. 100,000-plus deaths due to fentanyl and all. I, I was just on the phone today with a friend of mine in Texas who's actually contributing to the campaign. And he said, Trent, I had to get rid of my ranch. I got rid of my ranch because I couldn't walk out there without having a, a gun. You'd come across 20 to 30 guys. It was normally guys there. Um, he's seen just the devastation there. I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking what you see with some of the, the kids that yeah. come across. I mean, it's even tough to talk about for me, but I know from firsthand experience and talking to some of these folks, um, that type of exploitation and human trafficking that goes on and what you're doing and what th- this Biden administration is doing is that they're enriching some of the most nefarious actors on the planet. These gangs, they're horrible. They don't care at all about anybody. And so if you really care about human rights and you care about immigrants, fix the border. Yeah, That's the I first thing. I Can I speak it. on that real quick? Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> recently ran into Tim Ballard and uh, man, that guy's a hero. And he, he alluded to that at very fat, that very point that you just made right there. The fact that we have this uh, loose immigration or, or, or zero immigration policy where we're allowing, and most of these people are men. And what happens is, is that the men and the women, or the, the children get separated from their, from their mothers. And so the women and, and children are being separated, and you have all these men that are now saying, hey, I'll take you over here. And that's how these people, these children, these women are getting sold into modern-day slavery. Yeah. And if you just go watch that right there, it's, he is a testament of what Trent just said. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, next question. Um, January 6th. Uh, we've had some of our representatives here in Utah compare it to Pearl Harbor, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Tell us your thoughts on January 6th. 
it's amazing the amount of attention it's received, right? Um, it really is. I, I, and, and you have, um, you have people that will just continuously beat this drum that, oh my gosh, the insurrection, the insurrection. Um, you know, I don't want anybody to break the law. Sure. Um, we're a law abiding, we're a nation of laws. We're not a nation at all. And so, um, that, that is, is absolute, but the, um, this two tiered system, right. Of uh, justice system of let's, let's attack you because of your ideology and let's commit resources and federal resources to just destroy people's lives. I mean, we have people in jail still, um, January 6th. I mean, they're, they're held there without seemingly any due process. You know, they've been there for how long? What would you do about that? They, they need to be freed immediately. They need to be, you know, they, they need to be given their day in court immediately if there's something truly there. Or um, they need to be put out. Uh, they, need, they need to have uh, either, either out on, on bail or immediately uh, have, have charges dismissed. But there's no reason why these can't be looked at. These people have to be held up in, in jail for years at a time. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, the amount of power that they have in media to be able to, to really silence uh, certain, uh, certain events that have happened is, is just, it's disconcerting. It really, really is. Uh, so, I mean, we can, we can shine a huge spotlight on this, right, with, with media and, and social media, um, but we're not going to at all talk about other events with uh, Biden's connections and, uh, you know, Hunter Biden in particular. It's just, it's, it's a problem. It is beyond a problem. Yeah, I think it's, it is a problem. When you have a government that is weaponizing uh, its agencies against political opponents and calling mothers who stand up to school boards domestic terrorists, domestic terror, yeah. when it's flying, come and take it flag, is a sign of domestic terrorists, um, you know, weaponizing January 6th um, against conservatives and, and uh, really starting to go after even now calling, now labeling January 6th as as, as Christian nationals as being, you know, the real problem there. Uh, what would you do to stop this? Yeah, I, I'm, it's, we have got to educate people. We've got to educate people. There's, uh, there's a reason why uh, we've, got, we've got the Constitution and we have the First Amendment. You know, for me to see also Christians persecuted the way in which they are, for parents to be labeled as domestic terrorists, just for, for utilizing their First Amendment rights, this is... Um, we, we have to be able to call that out and, um, and, and f- free these people. Um, you know, we've got, we've got people being arrested and, you, and the FBI, we've got several resources being deployed by the federal government to take down folks who are just trying to pray at abortion clinics. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're at today. Yeah, no, right? it's, 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 it's absolutely insane. Yeah, this does not look like America. No. Um, do you have a question or can I do another one? Um, well, uh, you talk about weaponizing the DOJ and everything that's been weaponized uh, with, with January 6th. But I think something else that's been weaponized or more politicized is, is businesses and corporations right now, specifically with ESG. And we have the state re- treasurer who speaks up on, on ESG and who's very vocal. So thank you to Marlo Oaks for that. 
but it seems to fall on deaf ears with our legislators. They say they're doing bills, and, and we've, uh, we dive into that specific in bills, and we tear them apart on some of our shows. Do you see ESG as the threat that it is, and, and what can we do to safeguard the state against ESG measures? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I actually spoke out about that just a few months ago, uh, the beginning of this year. Uh, I, I ended up having a resolution created that our city council passed. That's an anti-ESG resolution. It directed our finance director with the city to work with institutions and financial advisors um, that would put um, the interests of our employees, right, in their retirement accounts and uh, just our interest as a community, as a city, over uh, those those financial interests, over any social agenda, right? This this politicization of uh, of corporate finance and business that is going on with ESG. So yeah, it's a huge problem. I appreciate Marlo Oaks for leading out on that, and we utilized, we spoke to him, and he helped us uh, in a large measure through things that he's done, craft this resolution of support. And when the moment it was passed, it was actually. Uh, it was published in Breitbart and uh, got some, some news interviews from that too. And that's what we need to do. I, I said, look, if every mayor in America ended up doing this and saying, no, we're not going to deal with this. Um, we'd stop it dead in its tracks. We really, really would. And so I think elected officials need to stand up and they need to say, nope, this is, uh, this is destructive to our country. Uh, to energy independence in particular, right, which the state of Utah is concerned about. And I think, I think it was a, a Senate joint resolution or concurrent resolution nine that they passed in this last session uh, that talked about, the, um, ab- about ESG and, um, and taking a stand there. So I know there are some at the state legislature that are doing that, um, but every state needs to, needs to tackle this um, in the same manner that I think Texas and Louisiana have and pushed real, really hard back on BlackRock and other organizations that are trying to force, you know, make a change through the, not through the political process, right? They're trying to force it through um, financial markets. And yes. Happen. Let's talk about that because that's another thing that's, that's come up is um, Envision Utah. Um, one of the things they're doing here in Utah is using a, a, uh, both st- these corporate government corporate partnerships to push ESG. Um, What, what do you do to stop these corporations and these governments and these, you know, politicians from, uh, and and then I want to talk about Envision Utah because it sounds like uh, there's been some questions about your involvement with Envision Utah. So first off, uh, tell us about Envision Utah. Tell us your thoughts on the organization Envision Utah. Yeah, Envision Utah, um, I don't have any affiliation with. I'm not on their board. I've never been okay, asked to Okay, that, because that's something that um, came up. Someone um, said that, that they were under the impression you were on the board of Envision Utah. No. Okay. Yeah, they, they've got their board members listed on their website. I've, I've never been affiliated. There are some mayors. There, there have been some mayors that they've, they've got on their board, but um, that's an organization that I've, I've never been a part of. And uh, it's a... I mean, right now they've got a survey out, right? Envision Utah. Oh, we're planning for Utah's future. And uh, if you look at the survey, it's very leading mm. or misleading, if you will. Um, you know, if I, if I ask my son, um, would you rather do the dishes or go to bed early? You know, those aren't two great choices. And, and those are the types of choices you get in these surveys from organizations like Envision Utah. Um, one of the big things I pushed back on as mayor and what kind of led to, you know, this, this reputation that I've got as a fighter 
was in 2018, the first year I was mayor, uh, Olympia Hills development, right? 10,000 homes on 900 acres at the mouth of Butterfield Canyon. It was insane. I said, no way. We can't have this. All the traffic, it's going to impact my community. Oh, um, that's a lightly high, please. <laughs> yeah. That's, and so we, we really pushed back on that, right? This, this was the concept. Oh, no, this is going to be great. And, and people, we need more housing. And I, I come to find out that 70% or so of all the housing stock was 22 plus unit to the acre apartments, right, that aren't owned. You, you can't, it doesn't give an opportunity for anybody to own anything. Right. I think that's a big part of this right. whole movement is we, I, I'm totally against anything that is going to push this world economic forum agenda of you will own nothing and be happy. Right. I mean, that's garbage. That is not at all. We talk about life, liberty, and property. You have to own property. What is the source of most people's wealth? It's the equity in their home. And if you don't give people an opportunity, especially new entrants, you know, that are just getting out of college, if you don't give them an opportunity to own something, they're going to be perpetually uh, in this, in this, underclass, if you will, of, of dependency on government. And I think that's, that is dangerous. So I, I appreciate you bringing up the World Economic Forum. That was one of the other questions that came up. Um, we asked Spencer Cox, uh, when we asked him about smart cities, we also asked him about World Economic Forum. He said he'd never heard of the World Economic Forum. Um, how big of a problem, how big of a concern is the World Economic Forum to you? And why well, it is. Well, any organizations that, uh, like the World Economic Forum or the United Nations, anything that's going to put the interests of, uh, of, of the global population or the, the over, over-American interests is uh, not just a concern. It's something I wouldn't support, period. I mean, we have to be, um, we are the city on the hill, right? There is such a thing as American exceptionalism. And it's not that we're better than people, right? We're no, we're, that's not it. American exceptionalism is that we created an exceptional government. Yeah. Yeah. We have Good. this founding document. We have this birth certificate that says we don't get our rights from the generosity of the state. We get them from our creator. And, and that's the exceptional part. And if we are true to that, that, that founding principles uh, in our declaration and our constitution, boy, you see... You see the greatest nation on, on earth, what we've been able to do, and we need to get back to that so we can be that light for the next 200 years. Jason. Yes, sir. So like he says, the, the American exceptionalism, you know, <clears throat> it was funny because I was listening to this uh, podcast with uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad. Oh, Dad, that's great. He's solid. And he actually lays out the WEF really well um, with the host and uh, what they do from the top you know, with, uh, with money and the special interests that run everything down to the governments and then the governments implement policy down to the people. Well, and that this is only one of the ways that we can stop it is by having smaller government and pushback, right? Mm-hmm. But the American exceptionalism is, you know, people say, well, it's not good to be a nationalist. We need to be a globalist. Mm-hmm. Well, what does it mean to be a globalist? That means that nobody's pushing to have, you know, their own sovereignty. I can tell you right now that China, they're not globalists. Okay, those guys are nationalists. They love China and they want China to be in the in the winning, you know, circle there. Same with Russia. Well, guess what? If the United States doesn't push back on nationalism, on being proud of a nation of who you are, how can you win at anything? And you will just be a servant to China or Russia one day. Absolutely. You know, and and that's why I appreciate you bringing up the World Economic Forum. And one of my problems I have with um, our most of our representatives in Utah is they don't, they don't talk about the World Economic Forum. 
Or they say they don't know about it. They Or they say they don't know about it. And I'm not, not just talking about Governor Cox. I'm talking about most of our, our senators, our state reps. Um, whether You know, when we talk about what the UN is doing, when you talk about the smart cities, they're not talking about these things. And to, to me, these things are a massive threat to not only our national sovereignty, but our individual sovereignty as, 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 and our constitution. What do you see the role of uh, your role as a senator when it comes to addressing these type of issues? And how would you, I mean, was this something you would talk about? Is, I mean, what do you see your role being there? Yeah, no, I mean, role as a senator is to represent, right, the interests of our residents, of our citizens of this great state. And uh, we, we need to do, it's, it's also to uphold an oath that we take to the Constitution. And I, I put that, I intentionally, if you go to our Riverton City Council Chambers, I have just to the left of the dais, I have the oath of office. I did that by design. I said, this is what we've sworn to uphold. And that's what we need to uphold every day that we're, that we're in office. And, and I want to say, there are some representatives. I, I, I think the, the answer to the question, why do some of our state representatives, they're, they're not aware of these, these global actors. Um, they, I, I, I just don't think they've, they're that educated on it. They don't get the, the briefings that at the national level you get. Um, but I do know I mean, that. I mean, some, I'm going to tell you something. I don't get briefings at the national level, but I know about the World Economic that's Forum. That's a good point. I mean, that's, that, a good that, point. that's my concern. They should know a they lot should. more. They're, to me, that's my concern is they should be the watchman on the hill. They should be warning us. We shouldn't have to be learning about it by, you know, by digging into the World Economic doing the research on our own. I mean, they are in those briefings. If anyone should know that what's coming down the pipeline, it should be them looking and warning us, hey, guess what? They're building smart cities in your backyard. Guess what, Utah, I mean, where is Mitt, Mitt Romney? Where is Mike Lee? Where is John Curtis? Where is any of our reps telling us they should be throwing up the voice of warning, hey, the World Economic Forum is partnering, you know, with your cities. They're partnering with your state, and they're building smart cities. Wake up and let's stop this. Why does it feel like they're just kind of like, I, I, I can't believe that, that, that they know less than I do, or that, they're just, or that they're just, what are your thoughts? I, I think there are a couple of, of folks that are, um, I'm not that smart. Signal that, but I, I know that I'll give I'll give one shout out to my one of my representatives, Candace Perucci, right? Who's there in Riverton? She's a Riverton resident. She represents a good portion of Harriman Riverton, and she's the one in this past session. She passed legislation that outlawed Confucius Institutes. Oh, right? that's great! And if said, you don't know what that is, you should. And, but that's great that you are aware of that. And she also um, prohibited. She ran the bill that that prohibits China from buying property in the United States. I love it. Uh, another huge thing. And so she has been on the forefront of that. And I think trying to educate her colleagues about the dangers of China in particular. Um, but with respect to yeah, world economic forum and some of these other issues, you're, you're right. They, uh, we need to, we need to make sure that they, they know. And sometimes that requires us, the people, right? We need to hold them accountable and, and make sure that they do. It's interesting you bring up China because uh, just this week on Daily Wire, there was an article, a Chinese Intel arm quietly operates service centers in seven U.S. cities. And who do you think is on that list? Mm, I bet not Utah. Salt Lake. Oh, wow. Salt Lake. So China is very well represented here. Yeah, you see the Utah. AP articles. I mean, you see so many articles about the relationships with China and Utah. Specifically, one of the AP articles said there, there's no state 
that China has such a foothold in as, as Utah. Mm-hmm. That there's, if there's legislation they don't like, they stop it. If there's legislation they want, they push it through. Why well, Utah? What you, why Utah? What do you think? You tell us. Why, why Utah? And I've, I've definitely, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations on this, but I would like to know your thoughts and then what would you do about that? Yeah, well, I, and why is it a problem if it is a problem? I mean, if I'm China, I'm looking at Utah uh, culturally, I think, with the amount of people that, they, that go overseas, that uh, the international business, uh, this is one of the founding spots for the Internet, right? This is where one of the, the original nodes, um, I think that's on the radar. We've got, we've got military installations as well that I'm sure that they're interested in and some technologies. I mean, we've got a great a broad-based economy here with a lot of uh, security players, as well um, so that's i'm sure if i'm them i'm taking a look at it i mean they want to try to infiltrate everywhere i think they recognize that um war in the traditional sense just a war with america is not not winnable because of mostly the second amendment right i mean how many guns do we have and great gun owners and part of that militia that are here so for them to ever infiltrate the united states is going to be uh, an almost impossible position uh, if you're looking at it from that kind of foreign policy standpoint. But if they can, um, if, if they can exact an economic warfare, then that's, that's really where they're, that's where they're at. My thoughts on why Utah? Yeah. What do you think? Well, you look at, you remember John Huntsman was, uh, was the oh, yeah. Uh, ambassador. Yeah. Okay. So he was obviously Utah governor. Cox is in with it. He says he doesn't know who they are. That right there is a, an alarming problem. Andereg. I mean, we go down a list of people. There, there's a list, okay? There's, there's actually a, a large um, population here of the, of the children as well that are in the um, uh, immersion, immersion program. program. My son's one of them. So there's a lot of Chinese teachers here. It's a, it's a big deal to have that immersion program here, which I'm in favor for because uh, one day we're going to need to speak Chinese. But the reason I think Utah is because there's so many that say all is well in Zion. Okay, the populace is, is educated, they're smart, they're uh, fairly wealthy for the most part, and they follow. Okay, and so when you get someone that says, hey, I can help you out, I can put something in your back pocket, they're saying, hey, it's not a big deal, this works for me. To me, you know, I can go broader into that, but that's, that's why Utah, because we have a populace that is unlike any other, and if you tell one person to do it, the rest of them are going to follow suit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you totally nailed it, and it's, it's going back to what you said earlier with the Deseret News and their civility policy. I think that sums it up. You know, you have a media that's guarding. Well, that sits state. on the board of Envision Utah. <laughs> Absolutely, and and controls the news. And I think it also speaks to the the temperament in in the population here in Utah. Is is this? We need to be civil. We need to be nice, as you said on on prior shows. Not a weird or peculiar people. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be the cool kids, not the. And what is China prize? I, China prizes, you know, obedience. Obedience. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, we're running, we're in short of time, but I want to get a couple quick answers on a couple uh, of these questions that people had. Election integrity, how are we doing as a nation and as a state, in your mind? Well, I, I am fully supportive of uh, voter ID and paper ballots. <laughs> I mean, right. I, other countries do it; they don't seemingly have any of the problems that we do. Um, I, I think it's it's troubling that we have. We, I don't want to see anything happen that's going to call into question even further right, the integrity of elections. And there are many states out there that have now uh, taken this on and, yeah. and passed legislation. Um, and so that, that hopefully can instill much more confidence in 
in the election process, and you know each state is uh, is in charge of certifying their own their and, own elections. And, and it's definitely a state issue, and you're going to be national. But would you, if would where Utah is, I think ranked 38th in towards the bottom in, in election integrity by Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. Is that something as a senator that you would uh, encourage Utah to pass legislation to? you know, firm up our elections and, and make, move us more towards that standard like Florida is. Yeah. Well, yeah, not just as a center, but as just as a concerned citizen, right? A resident of Utah. We need, uh, we need to make sure that we have uh, the, the best election system out there. And if, uh, you know, Heritage, you said we're at 38th. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like there's a room for improvement. There's definitely room. All right. Um, we're running short, but how, what, tell us your thoughts on climate change. Climate change? Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, look. Do I do I think that that we should be good stewards of the of the environment? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I, I'm a big believer that technology exists that um, that improves the environment while also uh, allowing us to uh, to get the natural resources that we need. Uh, I, I, I help take a company public, right, that's in the energy space. And so energy independence, that's a big part of my platform uh, on my website. I think it's absolute. We have to, we were there, right, energy independent under Trump. And um, this administration has done a lot of things to damage us in that regard. These are great paying jobs. Uh, if anybody thinks that we're going to be able to operate without fossil fuels, I, I don't think they're living in reality. And so... Um, big believer in us and, and especially this state. I think a lot of people forget that, you know, the federal government owns two thirds almost of Utah. This mm-hmm. is insane. I mean, Northeastern states are privileged. They have one to 2% maybe of all their property that is controlled, owned by the federal government. And we've got over 60%. Nevada's got over 80% of their property that's controlled by the federal government. Is that and something you would fight for to absolutely, get the federal government out of Utah? Absolutely. And in the state, you know, we've had some good people here that have put away money to sue the federal government. I think it's a shame we even need to try to sue the federal government. Yeah. This, this is something, no. That's got to be a fight Utah needs to step up. Absolutely. And that's something we can take on at a federal level. We absolutely need to, uh, need to fight that and say, no, we, we are much better stewards of our own property than you. We've got so much by way of natural resource because I've, I've been out there in eastern Utah. We have billions of barrels of, of recoverable reserves there we wouldn't need to import oil from saudi arabia we wouldn't need to import oil from wyoming yeah we could be in utah yes, we could you, be yes. self-sufficient yes now, there are rumblings going back to climate change about uh, the next lockdown being a climate lockdown mm. um i think what trump did during uh his his time in office you know deferring back to the states was was one of the best things that could be done right. um obviously going from the local level to the federal level you know, there's not as much as you can do, but what could we do to prevent from another lockdown like that if that is the path we're going down? What can we do at a federal level to prevent lockdowns? You know, the, the next great emergency, mm-hmm. right? That's, uh, don't want to ever waste an emergency. Crisis, yep. Crisis. I, I, that's a great question. I, I think people, so much of this can be, avoided if we educate you and we talked about that um, voters and we just put in people that are constitutionalists that's what utah utah deserves and as we people have asked that how are you going to make change how are you going to 
I'm not going to, you know, Washington to make friends. I said, I'm going to make change. I'm not going to fit in. I had a reporter ask me that. Well, Romney, he, he fits in, in in Washington. He's a great establishment player. Well, that's, I'm not, that's not what I'm going there for. As we get more people like a Mike Lee, like, say, a Trent Stacks that gets into office, we're going to build on that, and we're going to put ourselves in a position where we're not going to have to be subject to those sorts of things. And that's a great question, Lexi, especially where Biden is giving control to the World Health Organization so if in the next climate lockdown or whatever, whatever crisis comes, and let's just say, or, or let's say there is a pandemic and the World Health Organization starts to give recommendations for the entire, for America and says we need to shut down, what would your advice be? What first, what would you as representative and what would your advice be to the people? Because that is an entirely realistic scenario. Yeah. That could be. And in the Senate, actually, where the Senate is supposed to approve treaties, right, and things like uh, like this, uh, we absolutely can't. We cannot subjugate American interests and American rights to a global organization. So what do you, so it's, it's, it's been done. So what would you do? Let's say a, a pandemic begins and the World Health Organization says, hey, it's time for people to lock down and, and people here, the media is going along with it. What do you do? How would you handle that? Well, much like I handled, I think, the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates. And, and that's what's actually pretty cool. In running for a federal uh, position, you realize how powerful the local government is. Yeah. You know, as mayor, you do have the power to prevent lockdowns. And with something like the WHO Treaty, it, it becomes a gray area because we've never been in that position before where we've had to undo a treaty because it becomes murky as to who has the authority to do that um, because we've never had to assign over or undo the damage that's being done by this administration. Let me say this on a, on a federal level, you're a watchman for us locally. And if you're calling things out and you have court of public, public opinion, that makes the local level act. Yeah. To me, that's one of the biggest things a senator can do or somebody in Washington can do for the people back home is to say, hey, I'm with you. And everyone says, hey, he's with us. Let's go. Just to have a leader to lead out and say, and say I'm, I'm with you, even though I can't physically do anything for those things, you can be a watchman and call that out. We can, we can back you up. All right, last question, unless you have one. No. Okay. Um, what, was there a question on a board? Oh, that goes back to the smart cities and the point. I think there was also a question about you are listed as a stakeholder on, on the point website. Yeah, let's get that out because that's important. Yeah, I, 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 you, you told me that at the start of this show. That was news to me. Um, so I think the term stakeholder is one that a lot of business types like to use. It's a pretty loose term. They love it in Utah. I, I know. I'm, I'm not sure what that means, but other than maybe Riverton City is in close proximity to the point. And so I know that their guy, Alan Matheson, comes and tries to hit all the cities in the surrounding and let them know about what's going on there. But I'm not on their board or been asked to be. Um, in fact, I... I asked Governor Herbert um, back when the legislation was first passed instituting that. I said, hey, look, Riverton City is really close. I want to be a voice there. And I was never given an appointment. Uh, I would have loved to be able to push back on, uh, on some of the things that are happening there. But I just I don't have a voice. I, so somewhat related to that, since you have been operating on the local level and something we've covered on past shows is, is the shadow governments like the League of Cities and Towns, that there are people behind the scenes orchestrating things on behalf of local offices. Great question. Um, is this something that you've had to contend with in your position, not just as mayor, but also you were on city council, mm -hmm. fighting these shadow governments that are unelected? Yeah. 
Yes. The short answer is yes. I'm, I, it's, it's interesting to me how we are such a red Republican state, right? I like to say that we vote, uh, we vote Republican, yet we govern Democrat because of a lot of these organizations. We bring in people. Would you mind briefly telling our, our, our viewers what the League of Cities and, and Nations is? Towns. Towns. Yeah. What these organizations are, what so they do. There's a lot of statewide organizations like the League of Cities and Towns. There's the Wasatch Front Regional Council. So the League of Cities and Towns uh, purportedly represents all 247 cities and towns in the state of Utah. I mean, it's almost impossible to do, right? Because there's so many competing interests. So they have a budget of $3 million or so. They've got you know, 20 plus people that work for the organization and they claim to be the voice of cities and they work with uh, state representatives and state senators. Um, They're a very powerful lobbying force on the Hill because representatives view them in that light that, no, these guys represent us. I've found much greater success working regionally like I did after the Olympia Hills issue. I got all the mayors from the Southwest communities of West Jordan, South Jordan, Riverton, Harriman, and Bluffdale working together, right, to push back on some of these things and ensure we got the infrastructure that we needed. So you've got organizations like that. You also have Wasatch Front Regional Council is very powerful. Um, and again, just for, for our listeners, these are unelected That's right. uh, organizations that are out there basically pushing, whether it's smart cities or this, these pushing these the cities, the city council to, to in, in legislation, laws, and, and, and things that are getting passed. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the strongest voices that they hear. Would Very, you agree with that? I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, there's a lot of... Almost yeah. a shadow government. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the problem. And again, going back to the federal government, you know, this RAINS Act that Senator Lee has been really pushing um, would require these this fourth branch of government because you've got a lot of these rulemaking bodies and uh, organizations at the federal level that are promulgating these rules that never are passed by our elected officials. And so they've got an enormous amount of power. They can shut down business. They can make them go through hoops and cost millions of dollars uh, to operate. And that's wrong. That's not constitutional. He's claiming, look, we need to bring this back where before these rules take effect, they have to be approved by Congress. We can't just delegate, abdicate our lawmaking authority to these agencies. And in some respects, you know, that's what we've done here with these these groups, but the Wasatch Front Regional Council, I tell you, they're called the, Mas- the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the MPO. And there's a few of them in the state of Utah. And in order for um, you to get any federal money or oftentimes state funding for roadway networks or transit, in particular, they're really pushing transit now, um, you have to be on the Metropolitan Planning Organization's regional transportation plan so they they control a lot of that in terms of okay what's on the plan uh who's first who's going to get the money first you know those sorts of things they're they're really uh largely determined by these groups of unelected bureaucracies now they'll take cover and say that they've got you know elected officials on their boards and they help drive things but you know by and large we know how that we know how that goes you know with with many elected officials that are part-time and um, don't have the benefit of massive budgets and assistance and everything else that these organizations do. So, Okay, last question. Uh, and by the way, I really appreciated I, that answer. That was phenomenal. Um, 
There are smart cities, despite Governor Cox lying that he doesn't know what they are. There are smart cities being built. The point of 15-minute city, you literally have a website. And how do we stop this? How do we, how do we stop these surveillance cities that are being built up right now? The, really, it's by who's in office. I think it's electing, electing people in office or educating people that are currently in office to... Uh, uh, to the dangers of that. My biggest concern with all of these smart cities is getting back to this concept of owning nothing and being happy. You know, one big thing that I've seen also in our own city is you've got builders, you know, not like Tom that's out there building these homes so that people can own them. Um, but they're out there building for rent product, right? Or building you, out in daybreak where you can't got, even own the land. Yeah. Um, so how do people, again, how do people participate in an ownership economy and build wealth for themselves and for successive generations when they have to perpetually rent? Um, and that's what I think to a large extent these cities are, you know, this concept of, okay, I can, I can do anything and walk within 15 minutes or ride a bike and get anything that I need. Um, but this planning is, is very problematic when you consider that I think most of it, it's all for rent. And people are never going to own anything. And so it's calling out that danger, making citizens aware of it, and, and holding their elected officials accountable. I mean, that is, and that is very hard, as you both mentioned, of the Constitution. And, and is you cannot be free if you do not own your own property. If you do not own your property, someone else owns it, and you are a serf. Yes. In a pandemic, you would know exactly why a 15-minute city is no good. Mm. Yeah. Every person there would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Final thoughts, baby? Yeah, final thoughts. and, and You got another question? It's kind of a question, but I just want to bring it all full yeah, circle. Yeah, bring it. Because I think this, this was actually going to be an, an earlier question for us. Fighter is, is a buzzword, and I, I, we've talked yeah. about a lot being a fighter, and you know we're hearing that as, as a lot of campaigns. Oh, we need a fighter, we need a fighter, and Romney's been <laughs> anything but a fighter unless you talk about fighting against. Fighter for the wrong things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What does a fighter mean for you, and, and how can you be that fighter for us? working in the Senate. Yeah. Well, I think a fighter is somebody who's going to stand for truth. You know, we started out this conversation about truth and uh, somebody who recognizes truth, understands the, the true principles that have made this country great, that are founding principles and is going to fight to protect those. That's what a fighter is um, and is not afraid to stand up. And I think how I've demonstrated that over my entire career life, but also in the 10 years in which I've been in elected office, where I've stood up and actually fought for against mask mandates, against vaccine mandates, against inappropriate materials in schools, against ESG, uh, you name it. Um, I'm on the record uh, fighting back on these things. And so people, they should know what they're going to get if they put me into office, that I'm actually going to stand up and I'm going to fight for these things. We definitely need to be on a balanced, uh, balanced budget. I mean, I, I can't even contemplate $32 trillion in debt. It's just unimaginable. It's the height of immorality to place that on my kids and on successive generations. It's, it's immoral. It's just so immoral. Um, and we need people that are going to go back there and fight to reform that. We, we can't have the trillions. It's, it's a $4 trillion drag on our economy, the regulatory state right now. It's ten dollars to $20,000 it costs per employee, the business owner, right, to just comply with all the garbage that's out there. Wouldn't you rather have that in your pocket? If you're, uh, if you're a worker, wouldn't you rather have that in your pocket? So it's just, 
if we just started there to get the government out of our lives, um, that's what we need to fight and push back on uh, more than anything. That's what they're going to get with me. Awesome. And you look at our Senate right now, I think on a federal level, I can only think of one senator that's actually out fighting, and it's probably Senator Hawley from Missouri. Oh, he's, he's phenomenal. So we really need fighters in, in Washington. We need fighters in the state, but we, we need representation in Washington. And there's well. a difference. There's a difference because, you know, it's one thing to go and vote the right way. Like, I appreciate Mike Lee. He, I, can, yeah. I can count on him to vote the right way, but there's another thing to be a fighter, which I see jo- uh, Cowley, you know. Howley. 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 Josh Howley. (laughs) That's a fighter. To me, that's the difference. And that's what I think we need. And that's, and and Josh Howley is a watchman on the tower. He's, 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 he is aggressively fighting for our country, not just sitting back and and voting the right way, which I appreciate that too. But I agree. And and, and I hope that uh, I would love to see that. But I will tell you this as we wrap up. Um, I have a huge skepticism of politicians. Um, because power attracts the worst and corrupts the best. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, um, you know, Tom, Tom was pretty excited about you and we had, we had lunch earlier and I thought, well, you know, before I, I want to ask, I want to ask the hard questions because this matters. It does. Um, and the reason where we, we are where we are is because the people have just neglected, they, they just blindly trust too easily. They don't ask the hard questions. Uh, I, I want to tell you, I very much appreciate this, you, you coming on today, having the hard questions, having the, the, the tough questions asked of you, putting your neck on the line a little bit, because some of the, the answers you give are not, are not popular, um, and it takes courage to do that. And so I, I'm thankful for you. I'm, I am thankful you are running. Um, we will support you, and I would encourage our listeners, our viewers, um, we have a lot of reps who, who talk the talk, and, but very few will, will actually call out the things he's called out and really stepped up uh, t- to call some of these things out that need to be called out. So how can people support you? What, what do you need? Because it's, I, I will tell you, if you're going to win, it's going to take a grassroots effort. It's gonna, it is going to take a grassroots army. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you one of the things about yeah. him too is he, he, you, I believe you can raise the money. Yeah. Uh, I, I really believe you can raise the money. But I'm going to tell you, for the average person, this is a fight that matter that matters it's, that you can play a role in because he's going to need volunteers. He's going to need people to step up. Yeah. Uh, but how can people help you right now? Absolutely, spot on everything that you said. Um, we need the help at trentstags.com. You can go there. You can fill out a form uh, to volunteer. You can donate. This is going to be. I mean, this is going to be a five million dollar plus race. Easy. Yeah. Um, so we have. Very ambitious fundraising goals. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I hate that part of politics. I hate it, it too. Sucks. I hated I mean, it. It really does. Um, that's the but it's, reality. But, it's, a, but it's, it, it's the game that you're in. And it's, so yeah. it's a part of it. It's just you got to play it. You got to raise money. And, and the thing is, you can raise so little money at a time. It's like each person can only donate such a small amount. Yeah. So it's, that requires a lot of people chipping in. It does. And, you know, we've, I've been humbled that we've, we've received donations. I mean, this is not just... Uh, Utahns are not the only ones interested in this race. Nationally, they want a conservative. They want a Romney back has there. to go. So yeah. we and you received, cannot replace him with his with a mini me, no. which is what they're trying to line up. And so if we've we've received donations from people that I think live across forty almost forty states now, it's been unbelievable. It's great, um, but we need we need the support uh, here. We want to have that. 
we need those resources at trentstags.com for people to be able to donate there and also volunteer. We've had hundreds of people uh, want to volunteer. I had three events in St. George just last week. I mean, we're going to be traveling all across the state, uh, continue getting those endorsements from mayors, from county commissioners, from organiz- great organizations like the Fraternal Order of Police. Um, we're going to keep doing that, and that's how that's how we win. I mean, we let's let's take this, you know, let's let's take this back for the people. Utah deserves Utah deserves a, a senator that is going to fight for them truly and truly represent them. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on, uh, Tom uh, Silverhawk uh, Enterprise. Thank you for bring, making this happen. Thank Thanks you for, for your support. Appreciate it. Thanks for being a, a patriot, standing you guys up. Are we awesome. need we need good men. We need more more. More uh, Toms. We need more Trents. And uh, keep baby, shouting it out. Thank you. You're my beautiful bride. Thanks for making it always a good show. Yeah, didn't get too violent today. No, <laughs> nobody died. That's always a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> nobody walked off the set. <laughs> <laughs> no shoes were thrown. <laughs> the night is young, though. That's right. <laughs> well, to our viewers and listeners, um, thank you guys because y- you make this. I mean. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking. Remember, if you get on, if you're on YouTube and you haven't seen any shows for a while, well, it's not a coincidence. Jump on Rumble. They're probably there because YouTube loves to ban us. They probably won't ban this one because we're all nice. Uh, but uh, please follow. And I'm going to tell you, everyone says we need term limits. We need term limits. Freaking term limit these people yourself. Let's get good people in here. You know, you want a good rep. Here's your good rep. Stand up and fight for them. Get in the fight. Get involved because this is our state. And I'm going to tell you. Nothing matters as much as getting our own state back, and it starts with getting good reps in and, again, paying attention to the issues in Utah and fighting that fight. That's a fight we can win. So, Trent, thank you for being you know, a light on the hill. Thank you for you know, standing up to be a fighter, and, and uh, let's get this guy in office. God bless you. God bless America. God bless Utah.